I'm Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Jake and I seem to often tag team. I preach and he inevitably, it seems, is always my host. And he says the kindest things. So I sought the Lord this week as to what, what might be something kind I could say back. <laughs> and I began my time with the Lord by, I actually said to God, you know, Jake, Father, well done. He's easy on the eye. And instantly, it was like God said to me, and he's easy on my heart. So um, I didn't want to get any more gushy than that, so then we stopped talking about you. Easy on his heart. What a blessing. What a blessing. Easy on his heart. But today, for our good news, I'm going to, I'm going to find some good news in the story of Jonah, in the book of Jonah, and we're not going to focus on Jonah and the whale. It's going to get a very small mention. I'm going to spend my attention with Jonah. So what else do we know about Jonah if it's not that it was Jonah and the whale? Well, Jonah was a prophet, and uh, that meant he was God's messenger. He gave God's word to his own people. For those in this house, we know about the divided kingdoms and the north and the south. Well, Jonah's people are the northern crew. They're the Israelites. And uh, in Jonah's time of history, they're not, they're not good role models. They're not. <laughs> Nevertheless, Jonah's um, servanthood as a, as a prophet is to give God's word to his own people. He gives words of correction and words of hope. He gave God's words to his own people. Have I hammered that in? It's his own people. But you see, God comes along and asks Jonah to do something unusual, not unheard of, but unusual. God wants Jonah to prophesy to a foreign people group the Ninevites, and it's actually worse than them just being foreigners because the people of Nineveh are part of the Assyrian Empire and the Assyrians have a history of opposing and oppressing the Israelites. So these aren't just foreigners, they're enemies. Well, understandably, I think, Jonah doesn't want to go be God's mouthpiece. He doesn't want to give a message of the Lord to his enemies. Who would? I wouldn't. Well, my study Bible says the book of Jonah, which is a mere four chapters, even less than what uh, Jeff had us read last week. Four chapters. But it, in the introduction, it says this about the book of Jonah. It has been called the outstanding missionary book of the Old Testament. It also says the story recalls one of the most profound theological concepts found in the Old Testament. That God loves all people. 
and desires to share his forgiveness and mercy with them. So the good news of great joy that I'm sharing this morning is God loves all people. And when I, he doesn't love it like a superstar. You know, when you see superstars, um, pop stars or whoever, you know, people being interviewed, oh, I love you, I love you. Yeah, no. No. God loves all people. It's not a throwaway line with him. He loves all people. It's such good news. So I want you to look at your neighbour. Look at your neighbour and tell them, God loves you. Yes, he does. I want you to think about the person who grates on your nerves. Hopefully it's not just the person you spoke to. Okay, think about that person that grates on your nerves. You know what? God loves them. God loves them. God loves them. Hand on your heart. If you're watching at home, you can do this, even if you're all alone. Hand on your heart. God loves me. Come on, say it along. God loves me. God loves me. Such good news. And we're going to explore this with Jonah by looking at instances of wind. So we still have a Jonah and the W. Jonah and the wind. We're going to see when the wind changed the environment to kind of catch Jonah's attention and stir him in deeper revelation to receive this good news. We're going to begin in chapter 1, as all good stories, they start in the beginning. And I'm going to use the Amplified Translation because... I think there could be some misunderstanding or maybe in the first few verses we might not see the fullness of the picture it's intended we get. Well have we heard that Hebrew words to English, it's not often, you know, one word for one word. It, the Hebrew kind of takes more words to really help us to understand what it's saying. And so I like the Amplified because it gives a few more of those words to round out the picture. Well, in preparing this, I've discovered that not only do I like the Amplified because it gives us more of these words, but the Amplified I grew up with is now called the classic translation. So I'll just lean on this while I read from the Amplified Classic. <laughs> now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from being in the presence of the Lord as his prophet and went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, the most remote of the Phoenician trading places then known. So he paid the appointed fare and went down into the ship to go with them to Tarshish from being in the presence of the Lord as his servant and minister. Do you ever read the Bible and there's a verse or there's a little detail and you just think to yourself, I reckon that's only there for me. I don't think anyone else was meant to notice that. It's not important to anyone else. God put it in the Word just for me. The Bible is an, a, a, a personal book. And you know what I love most out of those, what was it, three verses? Jonah paid the appointed fare. <laughs> I love that. That little detail. 
I can tell it really is just for me, isn't it? None of, none of, none of you are saying you're going to arm wrestle, arm wrestle me for it. I just love that he paid the appointed. He wasn't a stowaway. He wasn't working off his fare. He wasn't a deck hand. No, no, no. He's not going to do what the Lord wants him to do, but he's still got his head on straight. He pays the fare. He does the right thing financially. And it's <laughs> redeeming qualities. You've got to find them. Well, it's also interesting to me that resisting the ways of God come at a cost. Mmm, that was deep. That was deep. So, as I said, the Amplified Classic translation helps us with these verses. Jonah is sailing away from being the Lord's prophet, from being his faithful, his willing minister and servant. Well, we actually learn more about his reasoning if we read the end of the book. So I'm actually going to put in a scripture now, right from chapter 4, because it gives us more understanding of where Jonah is at. Chapter 4, verse 2. He prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still in my country? That's why I ran to Tarshish. Because I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. And when sinners turn to you, you revoke the sentence of disaster against them. Jonah doesn't want God's compassion being extended to his enemies. It's too much. <laughs> he doesn't like the idea. So he does what he thinks will make it impossible for God to have his way. He just like removes himself from the situation. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work. Um, you know what? I figure in today's language, and I have been practicing this inflection, I still don't know if I'm going to get it right, but in today's language, God go, uh, Jonah goes, yeah, nah. That was all right? Yeah, nah. That's what Jonah says to God. Well, a man by the name of Jeffrey Curtis Poor made this serious comparison. So imagine Jonah lives in 1943 and he's a Jewish rabbi. God says to Jonah, I want you to go to Berlin, you know, the Nazi capital. Tell them who you are. Tell them that they're evil and they need to repent. Ooh, ooh, that's pretty intense. And maybe it gives us a better understanding of why Jonah is fleeing this assignment. So we'll see how this grand plan of escape proceeds. And I'm now going to the New King James because we don't need quite as many words. The story now is very clear. Chapter 1 and verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had laid down and... 
he, 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 he was fast asleep. And uh, in the in the Hebrew is <laughs> maybe maybe may, probably not. So the captain came to him and said, "What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us, so that we may not perish." See, these are proper mariners. They're proper sailors. It makes perfect sense. They would not have set sail if they knew there was a mighty tempest coming. They would wait until favourable conditions. So they know enough that this is a supernatural interference. And they're clearly a mix of backgrounds and they call on their purpose-specific gods, little g, to rescue them without relief. So the captain finds Jonah to call out to his god. You see, this great wind has changed the environment as their plan to now reach, to reach Tarshish is, is impossible. There's a higher authority leading what happens and their choice is to submit or resist at their peril. And if we sidestep for a moment, I see similarities between this wind and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit came with a sound like a mighty rushing wind on the day of Pentecost. When the Spirit first hovered over the waters in Genesis, it's the same Hebrew word as this wind now disrupting our mariners' plans. Holy Spirit within us is God's mighty power that we might change environments through our lives. Whoa. His mighty power now within us. Holy Spirit, mighty power to change environments through our lives. Well, back to our Jonah story. The mariners work out that this uh, problem that they're having is because of Jonah. Uh, Jonah had explains to them he's, he's trying to take a break from the Lord and uh, they all know that's not going well. So Jonah also takes opportunity to explain to them that unlike their God's little g, our God is the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And they find that really easy to understand and relate to because that's the God they're experiencing. The mariners ask Jonah, what should we do to you so that it will go well with us? And Jonah obliges. He says, well, pick me up, throw me into the sea, and then the sea will become calm for you. And I take it from this, Jonah wants to stay on his break. <laughs> There's no mention that he prayed to God, that he said sorry, that he said, oh, all right then, turn the ship around, I will go to, to Nineveh. No, none of that. His solution is, pick me up, throw me into the sea. And it's a good glimpse into the very strong feelings Jonah still has about this opportunity. 
He would rather be overboard, literally, than go to Nineveh, risk the Ninevites repenting and God staying their destruction. Well, I do, you know, like to see it from both points of view, and I, I a little bit of praise for Jonah. At least he didn't say, there's nothing that can be done, we're all doomed. He does have a plan. Throw him into the sea, and he prophesies safety for the mariners. Throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm for you. Well, the dear mariners, they don't immediately do that. Man overboard doesn't sit well with them. Scripture tells us they did try to row back to shore, but the sea would not permit it. Eventually, they cast Jonah into the sea and they pray that you know, this act not be held against them. And the sea calms, just as Jonah had said it would. And the mariners, Scripture tells us, then worshipped and sacrificed to our God. Now, whether that's additional to or in place of their multiple gods, I really couldn't tell you for certain. But they have experienced the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And imagine the stories they had to tell after this. Well, our God appoints a great fish, perhaps a whale, to swallow Jonah and just patiently keep him safe until he comes to his senses. And we'll read just the last couple of verses from chapter 2 and we'll get an update of where Jonah's at with this attitude of his. Verse 9. From within the great fish, Jonah says this, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Salvation is of the Lord. That is such a powerful statement. It is not our place to discriminate, choose or refuse. It's a significant acknowledgement by Jonah and his sincerity in the moment sees his time inside the fish come to an end. And that was another little detail that I really liked, that the fish vomited Jonah. Hey, there's two ways to come out. <laughs> I like that Jonah was vomited onto dry land. He didn't have to swim to shore. He was forgiven and restored. And isn't being restored the best thing about forgiveness? Well, God still wants Jonah to go to Nineveh because their wickedness has come up before him and he has a message for them which Jonah now proclaims in their city. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. As Jonah expected, right from his initial refusal to be involved, the Ninevites take this seriously. Or alternatively, the Ninevites take this seriously. Wow. The king proclaims a fast for all, even including the animals. 
And they turn from their evil ways with this hope. We can read it in verse 9. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. The Amplified Classic says, He did not do it, for he was comforted and eased concerning them. God was comforted and eased concerning them. Well, how's Jonah handling this, you might wonder? Yeah, he's not happy. He's not happy. He thought this would happen. He knows the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He knows salvation is of the Lord, which really, they're wonderful qualities. Wonderful qualities. But he cannot accept this goodness being extended to the enemy Ninevites, those foreigners. You see, I see two misunderstandings in Jonah's thinking that we might also make. Jonah thinks God should think like he does. Did you get that? Jonah Jonah thinks God should think like he does. He doesn't like the Ninevites, so God shouldn't like the Ninevites. Well, correct thinking is when we bring our thoughts into line with his. The second misunderstanding I see here is that Jonah's grasp on God's goodness is weakened by his understanding of worthiness. Jonah sees fault and that's that. God saw fault and planned rescue. The good news is that God loves all people. Well, Scripture tells us that Jonah is more than just unhappy. Chapter 4 and verse 3. Jonah speaking. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. It's better for me to die than to live. And then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? It's very tempting to read Jonah's words with some exaggerated drama, but I think if we do that, we will miss. He is really angry. He is really frustrated and annoyed. Very strong emotions. And I like that our strong emotions don't scare God away. God can handle our intense feelings. He can handle our moods. God is not deterred by these words of Jonah. He notices. He acknowledges where Jonah is at. And then he responds to these feelings with a question. And other scriptural accounts, other biblical stories, tell us we can be quite certain that when God asks a question, he already knows the answer. But he asks us the question so that we might think more deeply, that we might own 
how we're feeling. If we can accept or recognize our thinking is wrong, or maybe not as good as it could be, then with a softened heart, we're ready to be corrected, we're ready to be encouraged, and ultimately grow for our benefit and his glory. Jonah. Jonah, however, uh, chooses once again to remove himself from this disagreeable conversation with the Lord. And so he goes out of the city. We'll read this in verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat under it in the shade, till he might see what would become of the city. So Jonah's grumpy. But yeah, he's kind of comfortable. I expect his shelter was basic but sound. He's all right. He's watching. And God, who refuses to be avoided, makes it better. Verse 6. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Jonah's receiving undeserved kindness and he really likes it. <laughs> Which is too bad. Verse 7. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It's better for me to die than to live. So Jonah had been comfortable in the shelter that he made for himself outside of the city limits supposedly away from God's challenging conversation. And he had enjoyed the extra protection provided by the plant until God arranged a worm to destroy it. And then came the vehement east wind. Ah, a wind, an environment-changing wind. You see, let's not forget that God was talking in the city. It's Jonah that's removed himself again. We've seen him do that before. And it's God that's now using practical examples to reach out to him. We've seen that before. Jonah seems quite okay with his attitude. We've seen that before. But again comes this environment-changing wind to stir deeper revelation in Jonah. It's a wind to restore connection. Holy Spirit within us is our ever-present connection, leading and guiding us into his truth. You see, our God, good news, our God news, it's God news and good news, it's the best news. 
Our good news is that God loves all people. And what I love in this story is that God loves all people and God loves the one. I love that God is so persistent with Jonah that he's not just left in his wrong thinking. God wants the best for us in every way. Thought life, emotions, decisions, opinions, behavior, every way. Every way, every day, every moment, God wants the best for us. So to recap, God didn't destroy what Jonah thought he should, the enemy Ninevites, and God did destroy what Jonah wishes he hadn't, the plant. And I suggest this distinction is key definitely to chapter 4. So I'm going to say again, God didn't destroy what Jonah thought he should, the enemy Ninevites, and God did destroy what Jonah wishes he hadn't, which was the plant. And God uses this inequality of importance or value to reason with Jonah. Verse 9. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry, even to death. <laughs> Come on, this man is hurting. He's a, oh, oh, Jonah, he's hurting. <laughs> but the Lord said, you've had pity on the plant for which you did not labor nor made it grow which came up in a night and perished in a night and should not i pity nineveh that great city in which are more than one hundred and twenty thousand persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock that's the end of the book of jonah there's no other verse that's the end of it we don't hear or read how Jonah replies or how he resists, we know no more of what actually happens. And it suggested the open ending is so that we can imagine the question is asked of us and how we might answer. And we will in a moment. First of all, I want to ask you what of Jonah's story has resonated I have five suggestions. Are you asleep in the bottom of the boat, avoiding whatever it is you're avoiding? I'm often in the bottom of the boat. It's a nice little place to be. But uh, God meets you where you are. We can't outrun God. We can't hide from God. Jake mentioned that this morning. We might be avoiding him, but he meets us where we are. He comes to us. And so my word for you is surrender. You know, sometimes we come out of hiding because we're loved out of hiding, and, and sometimes... Sometimes we just have to make a decision. 
So surrender. Make that decision. Surrender. He leaves, loves you too much to leave you hidden away. You are valued. And you bring value. You bring value. So for me and for you, <laughs> hope. Hope and courage to you. Hope and courage to surrender. Are you a bit mixed up as to what's important? Perhaps not between a city and a plant, but in other life issues. Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of Wisdom. So ask him. Ask him, listen. He wants to help. You will hear his direction. You can know his direction. Oh. Oh, all these suggestions are so personal. Because like Jonah, perhaps there are some people you can't love. Love God. That's your nugget, love God. If God points you in the direction of the unlovelies, it's not your love they need, it's his. So what we do in that moment is we take our love for God to them. We don't take our love. It's not enough. They need his love. So we take our love for him to them. Is the reality of its love, is that what is resonated? You knew this all along. He's so good. He has so much love. It's for everybody. Oh, that's what you knew. You knew that coming in. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Share it. Share the good news that God loves them, that he loves them and he accepts them. Such good news. Could we stand, please? Now, if you're wondering what happened to... It's coming. It's coming. Just, uh, you know, chill. It's coming. I have to mention a very familiar verse. It's from the New Testament. It's very, very familiar, but it's so, so good. So I have to mention it. So I have got it coming up in the message translation, just to freshen it a little to our ears. John 3.16. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. What's his name? Jesus. And this is why. So no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Are you ready? Was it the Ninevites who most resonated with you? You feel like a foreigner to God. Well, the truth is, 
God might be foreign to you, but you are not foreign to him. He knows you very well. See, the Ninevites attained forgiveness when they changed their behavior. But since then, Jesus came. Jesus came. Jesus died on the cross and was raised again. So that it's no longer about our behavior, but about our believing. By believing in him, anyone can receive a personal relationship with Jesus, the love of Father God, the help of Holy Spirit. If you want your own experience and story with Jesus, and quite honestly, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want that? Well then, I'll have my mask back on, and after Jake's finished, you can come back, come up and talk to me. I'll be safely, you know, screened. So, the question with which the book of Jonah ends, you know that open-ended cliffhanger? I said we were going to answer it. The question with which the book of Jonah ends is whether we believe the high value God has on all people. All people. No one, no one is excluded from the generosity of his love. Truly our good news of great joy is that God loves all people. So do we believe that? Yes, we do. Jake. Thank you. Do you agree? Excellent. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day. Bye.